The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good evening, Chris. Good evening, Mike. We are five days away from what is many Americans' favorite holiday. We are 11 days away from the last day of the year. Uh, And sitting here on a Monday night with the absolute knowledge that there are going to be less NHL games than we had kind of expected um, starting now. Well, I was going to say five days. I was going to say five days away from Christmas and, and 11 days away from the end of the year. But you forgot to mention that we're only two days away from a pause. The pause. Another pause. A pause that is shocking. Shocking based on the numbers. I mean, there's, let's see, 32 or 21 times 32 uh, for quick math is the number of heads on NHL teams at any given or on the roster. Um, mm-hmm. Or actually that take place that take part in any given game. So you're not talking about coaches and whatnot. You're talking about actual over the over the boards on the ice players. 640 players um, that are game that are playing a game any given night. As of about 10:30 this morning, mm-hmm. uh, the amazing uh, the num- Can you guess what the number of people just on the COVID list was? The the actual number of people, actual no, number I, of players on the COVID list as of um, I, yeah, I can tell you that it's over fifteen percent of the players have been as of today have been on a COVID list. Yes, it is indeed that number. But um, I don't know what the actual number of players is, so I I have not I counted. Oh, and uh, our good friend uh, Mar- Melissa or Marissa. In Gemini, in Jemmy, um, of the Seattle Times, has a nice little table in her article uh, that she updated this morning, 10:57 a.m. I'm assuming that's Pacific. Um, 115 players as of that, as of uh, just just before 11 o'clock uh, this morning. Wow. 115. So let me get this straight. You didn't do the counting. Ms. No, no, no. She put together a, a table ah. in the article. I counted the names in the list. Oh, okay. And some teams have some flipping explaining to do. I thought the Bruins were bad at, you know, eight or nine players, but Detroit has about the same number. Um, you want to take a guess at, which, at how many players the team with the most guys on the list has? Uh, I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Calgary and 11. Uh, It's Calgary, definitely, but the number is actually 19. Jeez. 19. One nine. That is literally everyone but the backup goaltender um, who will take? Who would take a? Who would take a shift or t- step onto the ice for gameplay? 
No, there's somebody else floating around in there. I don't know if it's the fourth line center or what, but there's somebody else floating around in there because you have 21. If I thought it was 20. Is it 20 or 21? Hold on. 12 no, forwards, it's, six defensemen. No, it's 12 forwards, six defensemen, and then two, two goaltenders. Yes, okay, so 20 it is. Yeah, so the backup goaltender. Okay. Yeah. Are we 19. sure it's the backup goaltender? Are we sure Dan Vladar is not one of those names? Dan Vladar's name is not on here. But literally so, everyone else you can name from the team is. I think. Later. Okay, we're going to run through it. Dubé, Killington, Mangiapani, Lindholm, Richardson, uh, Ruziska, Tanev, oh, Monahan, Hannafin, Goudreau, Freeze, Goodbranson, Lewis, Anderson, Markstrom, Pitlick, Backlund, Lucic, and Zadorov. Killington is actually pronounced Shillington, but that's all right. <laughs> I just want, if in case he's listening, I want him to know that we know how to pronounce his name. My deepest <laughs> apologies. Um, but 19, 19 of your active roster of 22 to 23 players. That's a problem. Yeah, because there's usually um, somebody sitting in the ninth ring of hell there on a on, on a on a scratch list so, or something. Um, I don't. I know that some team was published who was vaccinated and who was not. And they did catch one player with a faked vaccination card. Yeah, we're not getting into that. We've gotten. We've talked about him more than enough. But there is one player in the league. Questions here. There is one player in the league who is not vaccinated. Tyler Bertuzzi. Yes, from Detroit. Yes. There's well, there's one player that we're told is not vaccinated. The NHL keeps insisting he's the only one. Here's the thing. Either every player, effectively every player on the Calgary Flames has no idea how to. I don't know anything to to impact their health, like vitamin D, guys. We know you're up north. Vitamin D3 is really easy to find. I recommend liquid liquid uh, the liquid capsules or just adding some of the liquid to your favorite sports shake. Dudes, maybe some zinc, maybe some vitamin C, boost your immune system, uh, stop, stop licking doorknobs. Um, you know, it, when you go to the hospital and visit patients, try not to, you know, tongue kiss all of them. Because either y'all didn't get vaccinated, y'all got bad vaccinations, or y'all don't know how to take care of yourselves. Because ridiculous. That's I I refuse to wor- use the word impossible. Statistically improbable and well on the high side of the bell curve for improbability. What did they did they have some my I mean did they have some kind of party or something in, in a shoebox? <laughs> in like, a shoebox. <laughs> did. Because every I, other team, yes. yeah, every other team. I mean, yeah, okay. Detroit and Boston have a couple more, but I mean, the average is Boston played Calgary recently. Yeah, which is what, and it was after the Calgary game when they that started act, started dropping like flies. That's when and, we lost. Actually, it was Marchand first, and Marchand and somebody else were the first two, and it was like it was literally the game at it was the game that they got back here in Boston. Marchand and Smith. Yes. Um, and then 
And then all of a sudden we lost. And Steen and Bleed all got it. Well, we lost Bergeron in the middle there, too. Yes. I'm honestly more impressed with the guys who only got, who only have one or none. So have have they not gone to play in Calgary yet? Because I think what they're doing in Calgary is, and I'm going to wager a complete total guess here, but it sounds to me like they, they, they pack the people into the saddle dome and then they are, I don't know, spraying COVID into the, into the, into the stadium, into the arena. They may, they, they're probably, they may be dumping it through the, uh, through the air, air control system. I just, I don't understand how they have so many 19, more. 19, 19 players. So many more than everywhere else. Clearly and, something is up there. I like I trembled over this story because I saw a tweet last night um, that um, Tom Gulitti, uh who who covers the Washington Capitals, tweeted um, at 6:53 last night. Capitals top six forwards: Ovechkin's 22 goals, 25 assists, 47 points. Kuznetsov, COVID protocol. Wilson, upper body injury. Mantha, shoulder and shoulder surgery. Backstrom COVID protocol, Oshi COVID protocol. So three of your top six in Bo- in Washington at that time were on the COVID protocol, and this is just bonkers. I mean, I, I didn't expect when when the upswing started. What was it? Three weeks ago, we started having hearing people panicking, and then the new variant, whichever it is, I don't care. Um, it's not anything I can control. But wait, can I read the can I read the comment? I, I I I don't normally read the comments, but this one I really like. It's from somebody named Ava, and it was a reply to the tweet you just read. And she writes, "Yep, <clears throat> do not wear any NBA, NHL, NFL jerseys in public today. If spotted by any league execs, you will be signed to a professional contract and forced to play for a depleted roster of their choosing until further notice." You know what? I'm down with that. <laughs> if they're willing to pay me a tenth of, or maybe a tenth of what the guys make, look, give me league minimum in any league. I'm in. I'm actually going to go out tomorrow wearing a Bruins jersey and try to get seen by as many people as possible. I'm going to put a Patriots jersey, like a Bruins hat, and maybe some like Bruins mittens. Maybe I can get signed by both teams. But I just thought that was quite – I just thought that was entertaining. Anyway, so – it is. It's a great tweet, and uh, I retweeted uh, it. Um, I just – I don't know what they're doing in Calgary. I don't – I don't get it. How do you have 10 more players than the any next other team. Like, highest team on the list? Effectively an entire roster. Yes. So the question is – I mean here – there are two possibilities that spring to mind. They got a bad batch of vaccines, assuming they all got vaccinated at the same time or near the same time, same place. That's or, a, yeah, okay, that's a good one. We know, we know that the accuracy on the tests is not always high. It would that's be another thought. Really strange, really strange for so many to get false positives in such a short period of time, but not. It would not be, again, impossible. Highly unlikely, 
but again, like the but like the like the vaccination that comes in a little glass jar and it's got a sticker on it, it's got a it's got a serial number on it. The tests come are, are made in batches and have serial numbers there. You can get a bad batch of testing equipment, a yeah. bad batch of uh, whatever. Just, you know, but this because you like, don't just rub it in your mouth and then look at the stick. You got to put it in some kind of solution and test it. And maybe the solution was bad. You got a bad, like you said, false positives. But it, it's just 19. Just oh. I don't know what they're doing in Calgary. Uh, they need to stop partying, stay home, you know, spend some time with somebody other than the rest of the team. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, mean, Nineteen. I guess I guess there's a possibility that there's a lot. I mean, if you look at that team's roster, there's a lot, a lot of players who are young enough. Uh, who are in the right age to have a lot of school-aged children who may not have been vaccinated yet. Okay. And they could have all, if they have enough kids between them, sure, they could have all picked it up from various sources and not necessarily been a patient zero who was, uh, who spread to everyone in the locker room. Um, and I have a question for you. Oh, Okay. I am not a doctor. I am not a scientist. I am not an NHL league official. I don't even play one on TV. I don't even play one on the internet. Okay. Then but I-, I know, and it's been discussed multiple times over the COVID times, that way back when tuberculosis was a major issue for the country and, mm. and for the world at large, there were studies done in schools with children, and let's face it, children are not necessarily the best at social distancing, never have been. And this is, I think this is back maybe earlier than the 50s, but I'd I'd have to go locate the studies again. But there were studies for tuberculosis, ridiculously virulent, deadly disease, Mm -hmm. where they managed to, they did a couple of studies, they put UV lights in the classes of in some classes and left the UV lights out of the classes uh, for another group. So scientific control, none of the kids, none of the kids in the rooms with the uh, UV lights picked up tuberculosis over the course of the study. Many of the kids in the other rooms did. Okay. Why, with all the money, why with all the higher quality and lower cost of getting these UV lights have sports leagues? Because it's not just the NHL that's having issues. No. Installed these in any area where their players, personnel are going to concentrate. Locker room, training room, video room, wherever. Um... I don't know why office buildings and subways and stuff like that don't have these UV lighting, UV, like literally UV lighting kills germs, period. I'm guessing they haven't read the study. 
someone should have read. Because I'm study. assuming that I'm assuming that was the question. Is why the question? Why why is no one why has no one even attempted this? You've because got, they haven't read the study. With, okay, <laughs> let's let's. That's the let's only thing I can think very of. Very basic math. Assuming the league doesn't have the leagues themselves do not have any doctors assigned to them. Thirty-two NHL teams. Thirty-two. It is thirty-two NFL teams. Mm-hmm. Thirty NBA teams. Plus, you've got the WNBA. You've got uh, you've got the uh, Professional Hockey Federation, and you've got how many thousand colleges across the U.S. and Canada, and just the U.S. and Canada. We're not going to take we're not going to take the rest into this. Just take the pro leagues, one doctor per team. The three leagues I just mentioned is over 90 doctors. Okay. All of the colleges, there are at, we'll say at 10% of those schools, there are probably students studying immunology, virology, um, history of medicine somewhere. Places like Harvard, supposed to be a great school, cheating scandals aside. Um, endowment big enough to fund, I think, I think out of the Harvard endowment, you could probably pay all of the salaries in the NHL for a given year. In fact, I'm sure of it. Um, and there's other schools like that. There's Cornell, there's wherever. Why isn't anyone trying this? Um, Look, I'm regardless of whether your stance is what your stance is on vaccines or not. Using one or two methods that have for two years failed to call failed to halt the spread. Halt. It probably has slowed. Yes, hospitalizations are much, much lower than earlier periods. But why has no one tried this? Uh, cost? No, they're light bulbs and light stands. You could go down to the nearest hardware store and grab the and grab a light stand. You asked for you, you asked for me to 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 event to to voice an opinion. I don't know what the reason is. I mean, because they're got their heads up their butts. Oh, there we go. Okay. Yeah. That's that's really it. And here's the thing. You you mentioned cost. <clears throat> which is more or which is more expensive? Let's say to cover those high density staff areas, you need 100 light bulbs and each of these light bulbs costs $10. Round math. Or Having your facility sit empty, still having to pay some of the people, still having to pay your security people, still having to pay the heat, still having to pay uh, in certainly in randomly warm places like the Sunbelt, maybe even having to put on the AC, um, having to reschedule the games for later in the year, having to rebook flights if you don't have your own uh, private jet, having to rebook hotel rooms with all those marvelous rebooking fees, 
Um, and then since the season, if everything, if they decide to play the full 82, will probably get pushed out if there's more of a pause than what we're told about right now. Definitely having to run the AC in middle June for additional games. Or, you know, throwing some lights in the building and killing the germs. Thousands, maybe even billions of dollars of additional expenses. The only thing I can think... A few hundred. The only thing I can think is that it depends... There are studies and... There are. It, it also depends on how strong the wavelengths are and whether the body can absorb the lights and this and that. No, it's not the body absorbing the light. It's killing it in the air. And the reason why I said cost is um, in Idaho, in Elmore County, they bought an ultraviolet device to fight COVID, and it cost $37,000. Not even a day salary, not even a day, a game day salary for a sports team. No, I understand that for them, but uh, yeah. for for the teams, yeah, it certainly makes sense. And they claim that it kills all bacteria, but actually killing isn't the right word because it, it makes it to the point where it um, it renders it unable to reproduce, which makes yes. it ineffectual. It doesn't kill it, quote unquote, and I'm doing air quotes either way. So, so, yeah, the unit can disinfect air and surfaces in a thousand square foot room in seven minutes. Can't be used while people are in the room, however, because of the wavelengths or whatever. So it, it, I guess it depends on the strength of the light is some. I haven't okay. read the whole article. I was just skimming to try and be educated about this. So there. Okay, we need and to change is, topics because I, I was gonna say we're way off hockey at this point. We're we're in the science I, mode now. <laughs> I literally am gonna start throwing things because <laughs> I could sit down and figure this out with one engineer and one doctor. A flashlight and, and a paper bag. No flashlight or paper bag needed unless oh, okay. unless one of us needed to take notes on the paper bag. Well, then you need a pen, not a flashlight. Um, you can write in blood, blood for the blood god. Okay, good to know. <laughs> um, among the silliness that is the injury, his the injury and illnesses. Um, I firmly believe that the New, the New Jersey Devils uh, should have introduced their most recent uh, goaltender. Um, in, in a manner, something like this, uh, by the grace of salary cap, future considerations, and a signed contract, the first of his name and sixth Lord of the Crease, John Gillies. Because, yes, John Gillies is the sixth player to take the crease for the New Jersey Devils this season. It's only December. We started okay. in mid-October. I must say, though, I, I have to say that I don't know if the fact that it's the sixth goaltender is the part that's uh, mind-blowing or the fact that this only ties a team record. <laughs> Either one is terrifying. Like legitimately, this is not the first time this has happened. That's mind blowing. Okay. <laughs> I mean, using thirteen defensemen in a season is bad. Using six goaltenders in a quarter of a season or just over, uh, mind blowing. Literally mind blowing. I mean, we were we were. 
we were stunned when Vegas in eight in in their inaugural season hit four goaltenders. Yeah, because they had uh, you had they did end up using five over the course of an entire season, but six, and it's not even the new year. Oh boy, six goalies before Christmas. Guess what they're getting for Christmas? Probably another goal. goalie. I was gonna say probably a goaltender, but <laughs> maybe bubble wrap to put around all of their goalies. It, well, it, it would seem that like Mackenzie Blackwood, who can't figure out whether he wants to be good or not, because he's shown that he has talent and he's shown that he can be really good, but can't manage to stay healthy. And there are some players like that that just. That, that, Yes. Can't. Yeah. But he's he's really good. But then all of a sudden he has these moments where he just like forgets how to play the position, I guess. And suddenly he's awful. And then they go and they try to patch the hole up by getting guys like Scott Wedgwood and and Akira Schmidt. Akira Schmidt. And I mean, Schmidt, Jonathan Schmidt. Bernier would is yeah. he's a reliable goaltender. He's not fabulous. He's not stupendous he's not going to win a Vesna, but he's solid but he hasn't been able to stay healthy nope 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 so yes now we are on to john gillies so uh when are they going to kick the extra point what's the over under on their seventh goaltender <laughs> so. um i'm gonna go with I'm going to go with January 18th. There really needs to be a pull on this. Like (laughs) there's got to be a prop bet going in Vegas somewhere. If there isn't, um, there should be. And we'll take, uh, we'll take a small percentage of the cut for thinking of it for you. Have a great day. Um, six goalies. Now we'll talk about a proposed, uh, we'll talk about a trade proposal in a little bit, but why I love defensemen. My very first favorite player in the NHL was Ray Borg. Mm-hmm. Um, and you always hear a lot about scoring among defensemen and scoring among elite defensemen and how this one's game makes them elite. So, I wanted to take a look at this year's numbers. I mean, we didn't do it at the quarter poll. Um, I little too. I don't want to wait all the way to the halfway mark um, or the all-star break. Um, okay. Let's just dive into scoring among defensemen. Um, I pulled up the basic numbers for the year, um, year to date. Um, there were the numbers are actually pretty interesting. Uh, when you dive into them, because there's some guys and some names I didn't expect to see um, in certain places. Um, most of these are sorted by got players who have played at least 10 games this season. Um, but the raw statistics points this season, not surprising to see Adam Fox and... Victor Hedman and Roman Yossi and John Carlson right at the top. Kale McCarr, Quinn Hughes, right in the top 10. Seth Jones, top 10. 
However, for top 10, he's still a minus six, and he's the only one up there with a minus number. And he's on a terrible team. And still producing points right, left, and center. He is indeed. Um, So, in the league this year, 200, and where's the number? This number will be important later. 294 defensemen have taken a shift. So roughly the top 29 in scoring could be considered elite if you want to go with a, uh, at the top 5%. Roughly. Wait a minute. 294, top 29 would be like 10%. Top 30 would be about. 5%. 10%. 5%. 10%. 10%. Sorry. Brain dead. I, <laughs> I was going to say. Way too late. 29 times 10 is 290. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So top speaking, 10%. All right. Roughly speaking, anyone outside that 10%, and I think that 10% is a bit too large a number to actually call elite. Well, I, there are I, certain I names with, there are certain names within the top 10% that, I wouldn't call elite, but okay. Elite in scoring? Yeah. I, 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 I'm willing to put Morgan Riley as an elite scoring defenseman. I would also scoring. do the same for Chris Letang or um, Shattenkirk. And, and I would put <laughs> the jury as still out on what type of defenseman that Kale McCarr and Quinn Hughes are, still, are going to make. They're obviously capable scoring. I mean, they've got 26 points, and for Makar, that's 26 points in 23 games. Um, but in order to get to the local savior, mm-hmm. um, you have to go all the way down to... I was going to say, he's not in the top 29, because I scoured that list pretty uh, effectively. He's 39th behind uh, with um, same number of points as Mackenzie Weger, Rasmus Anderson, the under the weather Ollie, uh, Oliver uh, Shillington. Excellent, good job. Yeah, um, 15 points in 25 games. Yeah. Um, and honestly. He's having a better-than-average season for him. Um, Charlie McAvoy, at points-wise, is having a better season than I've really come to expect from him. The thing is, he's um, on the ice more than Rasmus Anderson or Oliver Shillington. That, indeed, he is, and it's definitely worth noting. Oh, so, he has the same number of points as Jakob Slavin and Colton Pareko. Yes, and Matt Dumba not seeing anywhere near as many top pairing minutes. Um, so wanted to break the numbers down a little tiny bit further. Okay. Um, points per game. Sure. Really simple, really, really simple, easy number. Everyone can follow. There's no fancy math. You're not arguing power play time versus even strength time versus shorthanded time and the difficulty of scoring it out. No, you just take 
you just take Charlie McAvoy's 15 points, his 25 games, and you realize that he has six-tenths of a point-per-game player. 30th in the league among defensemen. Ouch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and if we dig deeper, and, you know, there's a couple of guys who were available this offseason uh, or in the past year. Um, mm-hmm. Devin Tays, who is second in the league. Admittedly, he's played 16 games. He was acquired by Colorado in a trade. Yep. Um, Marcus Nuivara, I don't think he was actually available this offseason, but. Um, no, but that guy at number one was available. Ryan Ellis. Yep. Uh, some guy named Seth Jones. He was also available. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was um, fielding offers or, or Columbus was. Yeah. Yep. Um. Alex Petrangelo was – did he sign a contract this year? I don't remember off the top of my head. He was a free agent signing by the Las Vegas Golden Knights. Okay, thought so. Um, Dougie Hamilton, 0. 0.63 points per game. He, hmm. he was moved this offseason. Dougie Hamilton was indeed a free agent signing as well. Yeah. Shane Gostas Bear, <clears throat> he was moved this offseason. Um, he yeah. was traded. Yeah, he had yep. to be moved so that Philly could get under the cap. Um, so several guys ahead of him, some of them on some fairly not good teams, you know, New Jersey, not going very far. Arizona mm, going to have a seat really, really close to the podium at draft time. And I apologize. Alex Petrangelo actually was signed last uh, 2021 was his he was 41 games with Vegas so he was last season not this season my apologies um so points per game wise outside that top outside that top range yeah and there's some there's some good defensemen who are great two-way defensemen who are behind Charlie McAvoy here. I mean, I've talked about how much I really like Matt Dumba and Cam Fowler when he's healthy. Um, we've talked about, uh, you know, the value of Mikhail Sergachev and Jacob Truba. And, you know, you've got Dmitry Kulikov not very far behind him yeah, on a team that is. absolutely lacks a 30-goal scorer other than that Russian who was kind of sort of rookie of the year last year, depending on who you ask. Um, and a lot of these guys were available. Oh, look, Vince Dunn, fairly high on the list, playing on a terrible team. Terrible, terrible. And we're going to talk about them in a minute. Okay. Yeah, but he, he's a point four three, so. He, on a completely god-awful team that everyone knew I was going to struggle, struggle to score. I know. No Patrice Bergeron, 30-goal scorer multiple times. No Brad Marchand, 30-goal scorer multiple times. No David Pasternak, 30-goal scorer multiple times on that team. Carolina seems to have a couple of defensemen up and up on this list. Could it explain Anyhow, why they're so good? And so... Now, uh, when I did the numbers, yeah, 
um, for five on five scoring per 60 for, uh, for NHL defensemen this, this season. Um, out of the 222, um, defensemen who qualified, where do you think Mr. McAvoy was? Uh, he hasn't been very high, so I'm going to guess he's pretty low. Um, I don't know, 50th or 55th or something like that. Not quite. Higher? He was 107th. Um, of the 222 defensemen to take. So I'm going to say ouch. And points per in five on five scoring per 60 minutes. 107th. Can I look at the list now? You can look at the list now. Um, do you know who was Whoa. 101st on that list? I would, as I said, wow, his 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 old tag team partner from Boston University, Matt Grizzlick, is higher than him. Yes, and Matt Grizzlick is <clears throat> yeah. is uh, higher in assists <clears throat> per sixty, higher in primary assists, higher in secondary assists, which means he's probably getting the puck to the right place at the right time more often <clears throat> on at even strength, mm-hmm. which may lead into more into additional scoring. I don't know. It, it, it's a crazy, crazy idea. And no, making the right pass at the right time. That would no. See, no, I don't know where you're getting this information. And here's the thing. They're even <laughs> their their offensive zone starts percentage. Virtually identical. 58, six. So slightly lower for Grizzlick. 58, eight for Charlie McAvoy. So it's not like one of them is starting 70% of their shifts in the offensive zone and the other one is starting 30. They're virtually identical. And guess what else is higher? Uh, a key, a stat that I think a lot of people overlook when they're talking about, um, when they're talking about team scoring. Got a nice shooting percentage with Grizzly at 60 at, at, um, at even strength. 1.3% uh, higher than oh, Charlie Mack. Yeah. Look at that. 6.7 to 5.4. But we're told that Matt Grizzlick is terrible. Yeah, you and I don't buy that and we never have. No, not even for a minute. So we talked about, I tweeted this out uh, just before the show st- uh, we started recording. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mentioned you in the tweet. I don't know if you got a chance to look at it or not. Can you name, in order, all season, all players, the Boston Bruins' <clears throat> top three defensemen in scoring per 60 minutes? All players. Derek Forboyd. Connor Clifton and Mike Riley. You managed to get none of them, but that's Damn. okay. Because Jack Ashan, I forgot players, about Jack Ashan. 
we talked about him last week or the week before and how he had 31 shots to 15 while he was on the ice or something like that. So I'm guessing Jack Ashan would be one of those three. Not quite. Really? Just not quite. Uh, and we're, we're only talking about players who have played 10 games. I forgot that I had, uh, I had set that limit. Ah, but okay. in order, points per 60 at even strength, this season for Boston Bruins defenseman, 0.82, Jacob Zaboro, 0.82, Matt Grizzlick, 0.80, Charlie McAvoy. So the savior is third. The highest paid defenseman on the team, by not a small amount, is third in even strength scoring for 60. And here's the thing. Derek Forbert, who nobody in their right mind conceives of as a two, as a goal-scoring defenseman. You realize he has like... He has twice as many goals at even strength as Charlie McAvoy. Yeah. And he's a .76 per game. Brandon Carlo has the same number of goals at even strength as Charlie McAvoy this season. And we all know that Brandon Carlo, despite his amazing defensive abilities, is not a gifted offensive player. And he's at .63. And guess what? We mentioned that Mr. McAvoy starts 58.8% of his shifts in the offensive zone. Derek Forbert starts 37.9% of his shifts there. And Brandon Carlo starts 39.7% of his shifts there. Those two have the lowest offensive zone starts on the team. You think that they're relying on Forbort, who, by the way, when they brought him in, I heard nothing but horrible things. Oh, I can't believe they're bringing this guy in. This isn't what they're looking for. And I'm sitting there just, that's okay. not why he's being I'm still being not in love in. with him as a defenseman. I think he does some dumb a little too often for me. But here's, okay. we're going to continue. Um, how many of the of the seven players of the others of the seven guys to play ten uh, or more games for the Bruins on the blue line this year? Mm-hmm. How many of them have a lower on ice shooting percentage than Charlie McAvoy? On ice shooting percentage, refresh my memory. He had a forty. No, what was five it? four, five point four. He had a five point four. So how many of them are lower than him? Yes. Six six guys, how many of them are lower? None. Two, actually. Oh. Um, Mike Riley is 5.3, which is an enormous difference, and why Mike <laughs> Riley is very clearly the problem with this team. Oh, very clearly, yeah. Very clearly. Um, and Connor Clifton, who was at 0.45. 0.45 uh, at or 4? Okay. 0.5. <laughs> Live show, ladies and gents. Um, <laughs> silly things occasionally fall out of the mouth. But Brandon Carlo, 6.6. Mm-hmm. Matt Grizzlick, as we mentioned, 6.7, best on the team. Yeah. But Matt Grizzlick is very clearly the problem. Now, Matt Grizzlick's own shooting percentage, nothing to write home about. That's fair. But Charlie McAvoy is also nothing to write home about. I mean, 2.2 and 4.4, neither one of them is stellar. Neither one of them is something that you really want highlighted on your resume the next time your contract is due. Now, 
just looking at at Matt Grizzly being, you know, best on the team, best on the team, best on the team. You realize he's the third highest paid defenseman on the team. But he's terrible. Just ask Bruins Twitter. He can't do anything. Um, he's a flyweight and can't handle the minutes, according to an article we're going to touch on in just a couple of minutes. Can't handle the minutes. Okay. I can't handle the top four minutes. That That's what the article says. Really? Interesting. It does. Um, I can't wait to see this one. I have not seen it, so this is going to be of interest. Now, that's the numbers that we're looking at are just this season. So I wanted to dive deeper. You know me, hockey. I, I could talk hockey. I could research hockey. Oh, I know. I We've, watch done hockey. It. We've been doing this for years now. I know. 75 hours a day. So going back to the 18-19 season, all the way through right now, mm-hmm. um, players who have played at least 70 games in that time, not a huge number, but we had a couple of shortened seasons, a couple of people. I figured that was longer than the last two seasons, um, either of the last two seasons, really, and more games than we played this year. So it's a reasonably fair number. Could we go higher? Sure. We could go. We could also go lower. Okay. So 18-19 season to present. Power play points per 60. In this time, 238 defensemen have have recorded power play points or have been on the ice for power plays. Where do you think Mr. McAvoy's cumulative uh, power play points per 60 is? Well, he was 1-0-something... He's probably a little better on the power play. Let's go like 95th or something like that. Mm, no. Higher? Uh, no. Damn. 130. This, you realize he's in the Hall of Fame, right? That's that's what we're told. He's behind Matt Roy, who I don't remember seeing play hockey. He plays for Vegas. Okay. Or Anaheim. Insist. Definitely a team that's not here. <clears throat> he plays for a team that isn't Boston. Um, Shane Gostis Bear <laughs> ahead of him. He plays in Arizona. There you go. <laughs> um, Matt Grizzly ahead of him. Where is Matt Roy now? Ty Smith ahead of him. Mm-hmm. Um, Damon Severson ahead of him. Damon Severson, New Jersey? Used to be New Jersey? Yeah. Yeah. Got Jack it. Johnson ahead of him. Matt Roy's the Kings, not not Vegas. I knew he was West Coast. He's with the Kings. Jake, Jacob Chikrin, whose name may or may not come up in a few minutes, ahead of him. He plays in Arizona as well. John Marino. Ah! The local product plays for plays for Pittsburgh, who I said we should. If there's one player on Pittsburgh that I want in Boston, it's him. Oliver Ekman Larson, who the Bruins were in negotiations to get not very long ago. Ahead of him. Wow, that's impressive. Matt Dumba 
Matt Giordano, <laughs> Justin Schultz, Brad Hunt. Wait, wait, Matt Giordano is like 87 years old. Yes, he is. And he's ahead of Charlie McAvoy. He's ahead of Charlie McAvoy. Wow. Colin Miller, who is obviously an elite defenseman. Colin you need Miller. only watch him play like three shifts to understand this. Colin Johnny Mil- Boychuk, ahead of him. Johnny Boychuk's ahead of him? He's retired. This is any I'm, player who's played I'm 50 games be- in this time span. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for you to tell me Bobby or something. Bobby Orr probably would still be ahead of him, even at 70 or so. Uh, Vince Dunn, Hampus Lendholm, ahead of him. We're we're now approaching the top 50. Okay. Darnell Nurse, Mm -hmm. significantly ahead of him. Dougie Hamilton, Nate Schmidt, Trevor Van Riemsdyk. Really? Admittedly, he doesn't put up many power play points because he's never playing there. And I probably could have added another filter or two, but for pure raw numbers, without manipulating them too far, it works. Okay. Alex Petrangelo, who people dump on a lot. People dump on Petrangelo. Okay. Hasn't he won a Norris Trophy? And if he hasn't, why? Uh, Matt Niskanen. Also retired. Better. Yep. Yep. The amazing Tony D'Angelo, who is, I'm sure, going to win some sort of humanitarian award really soon. Oh, yeah, it's coming. Adam Larson, who people have dumped on for because of well, he was just being traded for Hall. Yeah. Admittedly, he's played not very many. When New, when New Jersey <laughs> trades Adam Larson for Taylor Hall and the Oilers say, or no, I'm sorry, who was it? Yeah, no, it was the Oilers got Adam Larson. For Taylor Hall, yeah. For Taylor Hall to New Jersey. And, and the wow, Oilers yeah. then lost their general manager for reasons that are baffling. Yes, I can't understand why. Trade number one overall pick. Um, but yeah, okay, anyway. Okay, that really... <laughs> uh, so... Most Charlie, of the, names, the very, very tip top of the list really don't play very many minutes. But <sighs> come on. Uh, but, you know, the guy who's probably played the most minutes, uh, power play minutes, who most of our listeners can probably name and has amazingly produced the most points of anyone in this sort in the top 10, Tori Krug, who I think used to be a Bruin. Um, he's at 6.72 power play points per 60 compared to 3.42 for the Hall of Famer. Interesting. Um, so there you have it. There, there's your threshold for elite. As Jack and Brick like to say, there's your threshold. Yeah, they're usually talking about penalties, but okay, we'll use it. Sorry, Jack, I don't know if you've got a trademark. Checks in the mail. We, do, we deeply apologize. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I've never been. When they drafted him, yes, I was like, okay, Charlie McAvoy, seen him play at Boston University, liked what I saw, knew he was going to get drafted just because he was at Boston University, and it was kind of he like his partner and. 
yeah, the hype was there. It, it was the hype was there. It was kind of like the whole. It, it was kind of like the feeling I had about Malcolm Subban. Oh God, even stronger. Like Subban, <laughs> Subban was interesting to talk about, but I wasn't sure it was going to happen. Everyone until we until we started getting down the list, and you and I are on the phone going, they're really going to draft him. They're going to do it. Yeah. 21, 22. They're really going to do it. 23, 24. The Bruins select Malcolm Subban. <laughs> but like you, we just wrote off the rest of the first round because unless someone else drafted him, the Bruins were taking Charlie McAvoy at that spot. Yes. Yeah, it, it was, was. It was known and. It, it was going to happen. I don't 100% understand the forces made the choice, aside from the search for a a franchise defenseman, and that was the 2016 draft where he was taken 14th overall. 14th overall, yeah. Um, there were, uh, and admittedly, of the defensemen taken ahead of him, you get Mikhail Sergachev really good. I would probably prefer him. You had Ole Ulevi taken ahead of him, who has played all of 27 games at this point. Um, and you had Jake Bean. So, not a terrible choice. And neither one but of us the, is saying that he's terrible. But the question is, because that was the draft where I was saying I wanted them to draft Julian Gauthier because we were looking for right wings. We're always looking oh, for right wings. For right wings since I don't know. I think Sinden might still have been general manager. But but two picks after Charlie McAvoy is Jacob Chikrin. Mm-hmm. Um, Dante uh, Dante Fabro was taken three picks after Logan Stanley. Um, Julian Gauthier stick, stuck around until twenty one. He's He's playing with the New Jersey Rangers and uh, New York, New Jersey Rangers, New York Rangers. And he's kind of a, he's kind of a Bruins killer too. Every time they play him, he's got one or two points. It's kind of scary. And um, Sam Gerrard went in the second round that year. He's playing. Got, I think he's managed to get in. Yeah. He's managed to get into more games than Charlie McAvoy. By the way, he plays in Colorado with some guy named Makar. I don't know. And he's got, you know, about as many points. Um, yes, Makar wasn't there his first two seasons, though. I know. But I've always liked Sam Gerrard. Um, Wouldn't so, have minded having Sam Gerrard on the team. No. I mean, we're not saying that Charlie McAvoy is a terrible player. Even, even when there are certain people who seem to think that he's the best defenseman to ever defense. Um, and I, okay, if you say so. There are people who believe that. I have yet to uncover evidence of this, but we'll go along with it. Um, there's an argument, a very strong argument, that he was not the first or the second best defenseman in his draft class. Just saying. Yeah. Um. So... One of the things that I've been looking at really, really hard since this summer at the expansion draft and thinking about fairly hard 
um, since the team's since the team's debut was delayed. Mm-hmm. Did, did league fans get sold a bill of goods on the Seattle Kraken? Because I don't. I, everyone was talking about, oh, they're going to come in and be competitive. They have the model uh, that you know Vegas used. They're going to get to draft from all 30 teams. It's such a great city. They have. Well, they couldn't draft from Vegas. Well, I did say all 30. Vegas was. That's uh, true. You did say all 30 and Vegas was 31. Okay. Yeah. All right. And, you know, they're doing really innovative things and they've got such a great arena and it's a great sports town and they're going to come in and just be a competitive team right away. Um, We're. Three months into the season, and three months is likely long right away. But are they, are they, are they actually swindling the fans? I mean, you had to realize, if even if you are a Seattle fan or a fan of hockey, you had to realize that you were not going to reproduce what Vegas did in 2018. There was not a chance. They put in rules and they put rules in place. The teams, the GMs and and presidents of player personnel were ready for it this time. There was no there was no McAfee who somehow was able to cast a spell over the other GMs and get them to trade him players and allow him to pick players that they magically suddenly realized they didn't want when maybe they really did. I mean, how he swindled, if Everyone. you want to use that word, how he swindled Anaheim into letting, into leaving Shea Theodore exposed is still beyond me. I don't understand that one at all. But here's the thing. We were told they were, this was definitely going to be a competitive team. And because of the division they were in, they could come in and probably make the playoffs in their first season. Well, if you bought that load of goods, then I've got a bridge I want to sell you. In the league right now, of 32 teams, the 32nd team in the in league or in the the 32nd active team mm-hmm. has played 30 games so far and has 23 points and a winning percentage, a points percentage rather of 0.383. The Islanders, who are having a terrible season have a better points percentage at 0.423. Okay. In their own division, the division that we were told that they could be competitive in. <laughs> yes. Sorry, that didn't, I didn't mean for that to come out. I apologize deeply. The giggling? Okay. They are eighth. And Aren't there only eight teams in each division because there's 32? Yes, and they're seven points behind a team that fired their head coach and their general manager. This is true. A team that has now won six in a row. They're ahead of Arizona. Wow. <laughs> you mean the homeless coyotes? They soon to be homeless coyotes. Yeah. They technically they coyotes. technically have a home this season, so they're not homeless yet. Well, if, assuming they remember to pay their bills because they were going to be locked out for non-payment uh, by Christmas if they hadn't uh, within the last couple of days. Well, yes, the people that own the Gila Arena were not are not happy with uh, Arizona's ownership. Mm-hmm. 
Arizona's ownership being the same uh, individuals who managed to run uh, Cheka out of town, um, yeah, even though we had brilliant. built a more competitive than what we're currently seeing roster. Yes. And system. Yes. Um, I have to wonder, especially because looking at the results, I, I cannot, um, I cannot term this team competitive. You can't say they're competitive, really. I cannot say they're competitive. Really, um, they are minus. I like wonder why. In those thirty games. So why aren't they competitive again? Um, because they stink on ice. I, I mean, they are failing to win at an even rate. You realize, however, that Jordan Eberle actually has twenty-one points in twenty-eight games. And everyone who saw the expansion draft knew he was going to be the best offensive player on the team. This is true. Jordan Eberle. I believe somebody vaguely resembling myself said, I wonder where the goals are coming from. <laughs> you and everyone else who can ho- who understands how to spell the word hockey, much less understands the NHL. So, uh, By the way, there's a former Bruin on this team. I know there's a couple, but there's one in particular who... He's like a half point per game player. We're going to talk about those about some former Bruins next week because oh. I just want to evaluate some of those players um, to see because we got to look at Jake DeBrusque with and without certain presences, and I want to see if that's happening with other players as well. Their goaltending is a, their goaltending is a lot of not good though. And I don't understand it because Grubauer was like a Vesna candidate with Colorado, and now he's got an 882 save percentage. Yeah. Did he forget how to play goalie when they cast him out of Colorado? Well, he was chosen out of, or they traded for him, or however they acquired him. But so we mentioned the Arizona Coyotes and their quest for 30 uh, for 32. We've mentioned that a few times, yeah. Once or twice. Yeah. Um, they have three non-roster players for a total of five and a quarter million um, in injured reserve money, and I think these players are possibly. I know they those are three non-roster players. They're buried, I believe, in the minors. They've got ten and a half million on injured reserve at the moment. They've got just under two million in dead cap. This is Arizona we're talking about? Arizona, yep. And then another 1.2 for uh, another one and a quarter of buyout money. Seattle Kraken don't have most of that. (laughs) They don't have any buyouts. They don't have any dead cap money. They do have 6 million million non-roster players. Uh, Blackwell, uh, Shea, Han, and Gord. And why Gord is not on their roster I'm sort of curious about because if they don't want him trading him should not be difficult um, assuming he's anything vaguely like healthy got 16 points in 22 games but here's the he, it's probably the C word yes um, that's what I'm thinking they're basic the two teams are basically at the same place in terms of total cap money which is Above the floor, 
because you need to be there. But Seattle's money has been spent not very effectively. Just to confirm, Yanni Gord is on the, 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 the C-word list. Yeah. Yeah. I went back and looked at that. That's actually quite a handy list that Ms. and Jemmy has uh, come up with. I really, really liked it, and uh, glad I glad I came across it. Um, if you're listening, uh, you can follow her. You can find her on Twitter. Uh, definitely worth the follow uh, if this is a reasonable sample of her work, and I suspect it is. Um, so, so they have the same amount Seattle of cap space. Zero injuries, according to our good friends at Cap, spent at cap Friendly. Yep. Um, and they're spending basically. They're spent. They're over ten. They're almost eleven million under the cap. Eleven million under the cap. <clears throat> they had huge free agents. They could have gone after. There were. They left. Um, when they when they went to the Blues to for the expansion draft, they kind of left a guy who has had a reasonable season after three shoulder surgeries mm-hmm. um, behind and took. I don't know. Someone else. Someone not as good. Someone, Someone not as good. Because <laughs> Vladimir Tarasenko, seven and a half million. We mentioned the two, the three, the, the two failed sh- shoulder surgeries. Mm-hmm. Um, but we talked about that. Yeah. Only twenty nine points in thirty one games for the Blues this year, so a little disappointing. Yeah, that imagine, is kind of. For, yeah. Imagine if they'd taken him, and then you'd have Everly and Tarasenko, and be not terrible, not as terrible. Okay. Uh, but then again, we were also talking about what wing does he play again? Um, the opposite of left. And. There's a team we're always talking about that is always searching for wingers that play the opposite of left. Yes, but I'm not sure that they could find it with uh, GPS, a guide dog, and one of those little canes. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Um, that might explain why we, why the Bruins didn't actually make an attempt. Okay. Just curious. Er. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's okay. Uh, it is a very curious thing that they don't go after, you know, useful players. Um, I still am baffled by the whole construction of this Seattle roster. And we're, so we're either looking at a long-term plan because they need to not spend the cap for a couple of years because of the delays and then the COVID uh, reduced uh, seating and everything. Or incompetence. I mean, it, that's those are really the only two possibilities that spring to mind. But Ron Francis, Ron Francis being the GM up there, out there, yep, up and up, yeah. Ron Francis originally before this job was running Carolina, and Carolina is on an upward trajectory since he's taken over. They've made it to the playoffs. They haven't made it to a final, but they, they've made they it. had a good coach in that time, yeah. Are you saying Dave Hextall is not a good coach? 
I'm saying that I like the coach in Carolina a little bit better than Davy Boy. That would be Rod Brindamore, yeah, who, by the way, also played for Carolina. Um, yeah, Dave Hackstall, who was actually in charge of Philadelphia before the now unemployed Elaine Vigneault. The unemployed Elaine Vigneault. That has a nice sound to it. <laughs> I was trying to make it sound pleasant for you. I mean, him and uh, certain former Detroit and Toronto coach, they could, they could, they should go play golf together. I wonder if they could do a, maybe they could do a hockey pot. No, 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 not going there. You know, maybe serious M- F- uh, maybe serious radio will give them their own show. Why don't they give us a show? I, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I even managed not to swear during the show, which is amazing. Yes, it is. And, you and your I boy both. got paid. Ooh, ooh, who got paid? Who got paid? Bobby Fabry. The guy. How is he? Wait a minute. How is he my boy? Just because he, he plays for Detroit, as being the centerpiece of the Detroit Red Wings. He is not the centerpiece of the Detroit Red Wings. I don't know about that. I'm pretty sure I've heard you say that a couple of times. I'm pretty sure I haven't ever said that. He just got himself a 30% raise, slightly over, um, for his never having crossed 20 goals in... Wouldn't it be 25% raise? He went from $3 million to $4 million. No, it's uh, not quite no, 3 30% of $3 million would be about a million. Oh, yeah, good point. Okay. Something like that. Don't make me correct your math. That that's terrifying to me because, um, yeah. Yeah. I, again, live show. Yeah, St. Louis wow. has a St. Louis Blue in his first in his rookie year, seventy-two games, which is, by the way, by more than twenty games, the most he's ever played in a season. Thirty-seven points, eighteen goals. Since then, fifty-one games, eleven goals, thirty-two games. Two goals, mm-hmm. uh, nine games, one goal, 52 games, 14, 30, 10, and 29, eight. He's had three of those seasons where he was double digits, a negative uh, player. Um, and one season, one season where he actually was a positive player. Yeah. Yeah. But four million. Um, I'll take it. And the reason why I wouldn't say that he was a centerpiece is because he was acquired from St. Louis. It wasn't somebody that um, the current general manager, uh, Mr. Steve Eiserman, didn't draft him himself. So if you're looking for centerpieces up there, it's going to be somebody that he drafted. It's going to be a, it's going to be a, a Lucas Raymond or, or a Moritz Sider or something like that. It, it's not going to be somebody that he acquired in a trade. Wow, making excuses already. Are you kidding? Joe Valena? I mean, and if you look at their money, Dylan Larkin is their highest paid player at $6.1 million. Just saying. They're not overspending. Although I think that $4 million for Robbie Fabry is a bit of a stretch. Unless they're uh, looking for bigger things from him. He's also there. 
because of this contract, he's also now their longest signed player on the active squad. Yes, and that's that's as it should be because clearly he's their best player. No centerpiece. That look, you only sign your best players way out past everyone else. That's he's the way not, it works. He's not way out past. It's one year longer than Rasmussen and Lucas Raymond. Lucas Raymond's two entry level. Dylan Larkin, two years longer than Tyler Batuzzi, two years longer than Pius. Uh, right, who are also your who are also your two or three most expensive players. Six point one, four four and three quarters, three and a quarter, and two years longer than Nicoletti, three years longer than Danny DeCai. Nicoletti is closer to retired than those two are in thirty and thirty one. They're not they're not being put out to pasture anytime soon. Okay. Uh all star voting has opened. Which is, of course, Chris's favorite time of year. Not well, it, it the All Star Game is the highest quality hockey anyone will ever see. You know, you love watching the format of three on three, and come on now, three on three, seventy percent effort at most. Um, <laughs> well, if seventy percent effort is the the effort they give for offense, because there's zero percent effort for defense. Usually. Uh, as of the latest update, um, Alex Ovechkin. I was going to say, <laughs> let me guess. Alex Ovechkin's number one or Connor McDavid is number one? Uh, Connor McDavid <laughs> is number one as of the most recent update. Um, and McDavid as well. Um, high up in the high up in the voting, you've got other guys who are pretty predictable. Uh, Austin Matthews. Uh, 17%. Let me guess. There are um, no Bruins. I did not see a Bruin. Uh, Leon Dreisaitl, uh is slightly behind his teammate. Um, one that I was really pleased to see is Trevor Zegris, who is more than good at hockey. Yes. Um, is pretty high up. Um, Matthew Kachuk. JT Miller, which is somewhat surprising given how bad the team has been. No, because um, he's good on a bad team, so I can imagine why he's getting votes. His votes should be higher, in fact, in my opinion. Ryder is somehow getting votes. Okay, that's just a wrong. Um, Patrice Bergeron is, like, third in the Atlantic um, behind Stamkos and Matthews. Ooh, a um, Bruin. See, I said there were no Bruins, but there is a Bruin. He's third, but... And ahead of your uh, your savior, Dylan Larkin, and somehow ahead of Brady Kachuk. Well, Brady Kachuk is... Good on a bad team. Good on a bad team, yes. Which will be a better team once they actually learn to play better. Coherently. Coherently. In sync. Yeah. Um, so if you're Sympatica. in the voting thing, folks, go forth and vote. Vote for especially Patrice and Brad and Matt Grizzlick. Matt Grizzlick, yeah. Because Look, we looked at the numbers. In the Atlantic, he's going to have competition. In the Atlantic, there's there's some guy named Hedman that's probably going to lead defenseman. 
then there's Adam Fox. Defensemen is going to be defensemen are going to be tough. I mean, there are some good defensemen. So I don't think that even the Hall of Famer is going to make the cut. How could the Hall of Famer not make the cut? I'm pretty sure he's probably not going to. But how is that possible? Because there's Victor Hedman and Adam Fox and... Jacob Truba and John Carlson and some other guys. You know, those guys. Uh, Hey, Chris. Yeah. What are you doing on January 1st at roughly 6 p.m.? What day is it? Is it a Saturday? It would be a Saturday. January 1st. I don't know. Sleeping? Nope. What will I be? Classic. Oh, that's right. How could I forget? But who's playing? Because. And the Minnesota Wild. I only have one question, and it may not be best asked of you. It probably should be asked of Gary Bettman. Will it actually be played? There you go. Um, that is a very, very cogent question. Um, and I would assume that uh, a shot at it actually happening. It is an outdoor stadium. It is an outdoor stadium. It is not in it's in Minnesota, so it's not necessarily one of the states that has been the um, most aggressive at protecting people. Who is in Minnesota um, against St. Louis? Hmm. What's your prediction? What's my prediction? Who's winning the Winter Classic? Minnesota Border 2. Border 2. So you're going to take six goals as the line. And the home team, sort of. I'm actually going to go 3-2 St. Louis. Really? I, I got feeling, I think, I'd have, to look the, I'd have to look at the numbers, but I think the uh, road teams actually have a slightly better record in the Winter Classics. Um, and let's face it, St. Louis, uh, having been to the Stanley Cup recently, they're more used to the big stage. This is effectively a playoff game mm. uh, in in atmosphere. Uh, so okay. I'm gonna, I mean, I'm gonna it, give it, it, team it, with the big stage exposure or better big big stage exposure. You couldn't have. I mean, we've had some interesting winter classics in the past, but you couldn't really ask for a better matchup at this point in time. You nope. look at it, Minnesota's a plus 23, St. Louis a plus 21. Uh, when a, you know, Minnesota's played 29 games, they have 40 points. St. Louis has played two more games, they have 39. So you got points percentage of 690 and 629 respectively for Minnesota and St. Louis. Both, Minnesota at home is 10, 2, and 1. The problem is that this not being in their building doesn't yeah. make it the best home ice advantage. Uh, 
in their last 10, they're seven, two and one in St. Louis's last 10, they're six, two and two. Yeah. There's not a lot of difference. No. And when you look at their totals goals for 108 for Minnesota, 106 for St. Louis, and then identical goals against at 85, this, this promises to be a good tight game. Um, which is why I, I go, I'm leaning towards the lower score. Um, this, no, are these, are these big market teams? Nope. Are they teams who are deep in the best known players in the league? Nope. Watch this game. It's going to be one of the best hockey games of the year. You know what? The reason why I went the way I did, it really depends on who they start because, if you go with Bennington, who they most likely will, because he's, un- yeah, un- he's unless unless Baruby actually uses common sense instead of just going with whoever the number one is, quote unquote. Yeah. I mean, Bennington's eight and six. Villa Huso is three and three, two, three and two. Villa Huso has a 9.27 save percentage, whereas Bennington is only at a 9.10. Bennington is a shade under three. Huso is 2.46. Now you're not going to have Charlie Lindgren. If Bennington's still out, Huso will get Huso will get the start. Lindgren will be the backup. By the way, we saw Charlie Lindgren. He used to be up in uh, Montreal. Yep. Uh, he's. If he could maintain those numbers, he'd have himself a starting job. The problem is he ends up coughing up a hairball at some point, but he's actually a decent goaltender. Yeah. Um, so I'm going with I'm I'm relying on the fact that they're probably going to go Bennington unless he's not capable, unless he's not able to play. And if That's Bennington's fair. in net, they're going to Kaprizov is going to score. Fiala is going to score. And that's why I, that's the only reason why I went for to Minnesota, because I think that Minnesota's goal scoring ability is higher than if Bennington is in net. I'm not it's not a knock on the defense of St. Louis. That's fair. Um, Okay, ladies, gentlemen, listeners of all ages. Write this down, set a reminder in your calendar for it to happen uh, to get it uh, an annual reminder that I said something uh, amazing to me and to probably most of you as well. Uh, this recording, December 20th, 2021. Here it is. The NHL Department of Player Safety got it right. I'm sorry, you're going to need to be. I know we're recording, so it's officially done, but I need to hear that again. The NHL Department of Player Safety got it right. Why? Because Brett Connolly made one of the most boneheaded hits I have seen in at least three years. And I'm not calling Brett Connolly malicious. I'm I'm not calling him. I'm not saying that he's a dirty player. I'm not saying that there's no place for guys like him in the league. I don't think this was a dirty hit. This was stupid. Yes. Just plain stupid. I mean, the the first question out of my mouth was, 
What was he thinking? <laughs> um, I think you could shorten that by one word. Was he thinking? But as I as I stated before, he makes no attempt to play the puck. He makes no attempt to recognize that the puck exists on this or any other physical plane. He it's going by him. It's going by uh, what's his name? Tanner Kara. Kara. Yep. Uh, it, it's going by him because Radulov shoots it up the glass. He makes no attempt. He never glances at it. You don't see his head move to see, oh, wait, the puck's over there. He just goes straight at Tanakira, who – and he's not hes not striding. He's gliding. Yeah. But like, he makes he no attempt to slow down, move, get out it, of the way. Um, he doesn't – his feet don't come off the ice until after contact. So it's not like he's – this isn't one of the – plays that makes me so mad that I want to drop the gloves with the player. Um, this is just no. stupid, <laughs> like yeah. inexcusably stupid. And, you know, I don't know how many concussions that Brett Connolly has had, but maybe they need to check him for one. And no, just no, 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 uh, I'm done. Now, like, I, I am a little – there is one thing about this that I'm a little surprised about. The four and games? I, I Because he has no history of being suspended or anything else. You know what it is? They, is it, they it's are, the injury or the injury aspect or they just figure – No, it's retroactive. They're trying to cover up the <clears throat> overreaction to Marshan's uh, non-slew foot. Because a slow foot actually, you know, involves kicking the leg and pulling backwards at the same time. And at least one of those things didn't happen. Um, I'm not even sure that anyone actually viewed video on on it. If you go back, if you go back and watch the video, I watched multiple videos. And if you go back and watch it, he's actually coming in behind it. He's losing his balance. He's losing his balance before they go into the final turn where they both end up going down. Yes. He's not actively trying to slide his knee under him. He's not trying to pull him back. Yes, he's losing his balance. They're they're both actively chasing the puck into. They've they've both been engaged with each other. Across the ice. 40 feet of skating. And not in a straight line in a zigzag. And yeah. So that would be evidence of the Department of Player Safety not getting it right. Which is the norm. Yes. Um, before our next broadcast, uh, before our next recording, mm-hmm. the World Juniors will open yeah, in theory. Which I completely forget about until they actually announce it like two days before it happens. And I go, oh, wait, the World Juniors are on. <laughs> um, you can most likely in the U.S. look for them on the on the NHL network uh, and or the games. Uh, they will run from uh, Boxing Day until January 5th. And, yeah, you should enjoy yourself some really good hockey. Um, this is usually where I start. Draft. Wa- where I start watching prospects and, dra- and and figuring out draft picks and everything. I mean, I always have an eye on them, but this is where I really, like, start actively. Since I'm not actually paid as a scout to look at players, so I kind of have to... 
budget my time. This is usually where I actually start looking in a little more earnest at who's playing, who's not playing, where they might where they might be drafted, stuff like that. So it, it is a good place to start if you're watching to see what could be happening in you know two or three years time in the NHL and if they're drafted number one or number two or number five, you could see them next season. So it's a good place to start. And if you look at CanadaSportsBetting.ca, um, you Canada will find the odds. Betting. CanadaSportsBetting.ca. Um, you will find the odds. Pretty much everyone has Canada, U.S. one and two, and reasonably close. Um, it's basically 3.0 uh, to 4.5 for uh, for the U.S. and Canada to win. Russia mm-hmm. is third. Finland is fourth. Sweden and then the Czech Republic. Um, I think that if there are any sort of trap games that Finland is playing in, you know, U.S. is playing Canada or U.S., Canada, Russia are playing each other and play Finland either immediately after or immediately before. You should bet on Finland to win that game because that team, that team has been a hockey factory for a couple of years. Um, And there are a lot of teams who we, most of us never see on TV and many of whom don't have a single player in the NHL uh, who are also part of this tournament. Um, You know, Belarus we've seen in the past, Denmark we've seen in the past, but Hungary, Kazakhstan, Latvia, Norway, Estonia, France, Japan, Poland, Slovenia, Ukraine, Great Britain, Italy, Lithuania, Romania, uh, South Korea, and Spain, not to mention Belgium, China, Croatia, Iceland, Netherlands, uh, Serbia, Australia, Bosnia, and Herzegovina, one nation, Israel, Mexico, Turkey, Bulgaria, Chinese, Taipei, um, Kyrgyzstan, New Zealand, and South Africa, all will be fielding teams as of right now. I couldn't recognize the jersey for more than half of that list uh, unless I could see the flag. Yeah. And I'm okay with that because there's not many opportunities to see junior hockey uh, at the global stage, and I would love to see more of it. Um. I mean, it, it, it's it's a good place to start. Like I said, it's a good place to start watching talent. And some of it is talent that's in the NHL. Stutzla is going to play. Sanderson's going to play. Uh, they talk about Marco Rossi from Austria, who's actually on the Minnesota Wild roster. Yep. I mean, there are you're going to see NHL play young NHL players in there as well, but they're playing with guys who are could there, possibly twenty and under. Yeah, so you could see players that are draft eligible. You could see players that are already drafted that just haven't made the jump to the NHL yet for reasons that are uh, not necessarily beyond understanding. But many know. of them have the contracts in their homelands. You know, Russia. Uh, there are most, some, yeah. Most of Europe, they're the players play there until they're twenty two, twenty three before they're able to uh, make the jump to the NHL if they're still interested. Um, I will be fascinated to see which one of these nations, um, is the next to get an NHL player, uh, into the league. Cause we know that Japan has its own hockey league and, uh, and a good dozen teams. They've got about as they've got a similar population to Mexico. Mexico is a little bit larger and growing a little bit faster. 
Um, but Australia, same population or close in population, to, I think, to, to Canada and um, California. Um, and we've seen one or two players from there. Bosnia and Herzegovina, you know, that's a really tiny country. Um, I think even Finland uh, has a significantly larger population. Okay. I might. Uh, yeah, I think so. I, the only thing I find interesting is when you do go to the IIHF website, yep. they don't show any rosters. Yeah, I don't think they're all set yet. Uh, and I think part of that is the C word. That's what I was thinking as well. Are we actually going to have the tournament? I know they're hoping to. I really, really hope we get it. Um, not just for me as a hockey fan, but for all of these young players and their families and their coaches. Um, yeah, uh, Bosnia-Herzegovina's 2021 estimated uh, population is 3.8 million and change. Mm-hmm. So somewhat smaller than Massachusetts. Damn. Um, and I'm willing to bet you that hockey is not their first sport. Just a hunch. Honestly, I don't know what their number one sport would be. I would guess ho- I would guess soccer. Well, yeah, being a world uh, number one sport in the world outside of the United States, yeah. Yeah, the rest of the world will catch up someday. Or perhaps the United States needs to start catching up. But I digress. Yeah, no, there's no need for that here. <laughs> uh, or as a uh, as the as King T'Challa said, we don't do that here. Are Fair you ready? Enough. Are you ready for the story of the day? Um. Okay, story of the day. Let's have it. According to Joe Haggerty. Yeah, your best friend. Jacob Chikrin will fill the biggest need of Boston Bruins. Wait, wait. I got a question. Yes. Don't go on. Go. 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 Did, 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 okay. Did Jacob Chikrin learn how to play center? It probably, yes. He brought, well, like when he was in midget hockey. He probably played all positions and probably took a few, at least a few dozen draws at center. Okay, but since being seven years old, maybe ten, even twelve, he he might have played some some center at twelve. Okay, in his professional career with Uh, the Arizona Coyotes, has he played center? I do not believe so. In the OHL, where I'm assuming he played in the OHL, I I don't remember his minor league career. Did he play center? Was a defenseman there too. Okay. But he's going to fill the biggest need for the Bruins? That's that's what Hag said. Okay. Why do you do you not agree? 
I'm just trying to figure out when David Krejci was a defenseman. Um, probably also back in junior, maybe midgets. Okay, but probably his, midgets. Yeah, yeah. But his time with Bruins, he was a center. He was indeed a center. Okay, so Jacob Chikrin is going Up to fill. Jacob Chikrin is going to fill a role that he hasn't played since he was young. Since or, probably three or four years before he shaved. Yep, at minimum. Or, yep. or am okay. I just, or am I just misunderstanding the comment that Haggerty is making here? Um, or maybe I'm missing the point. Well, ha- according to our buddy Hags, yes. your buddy, your bestie. Yeah. Um. It's a top uh, in addressing uh, the question. It's a top four def- uh, left shot defenseman capable of playing big minutes, stirring up some offense and playing a big, strong and physical role in the D zone. It's clear featuring lightweights like Mike Riley and Matt Grizzlick on the left side isn't an ideal top four situation or solution for the B's back end. Wait, wait, lightweights. I heard that before. And that Derek Forbert is best served not being forced into a top pairing heavy minutes role with Charlie McAvoy. He's like now, the second best defenseman. Well, third best. Now, ladies and gentlemen, roll back, roll back the show uh, to about uh, 18, 20 minutes ago and go over those stats again. Don't two of the three defensemen that McAvoy uh, that Hags mentioned have more have more impressive stats than than uh, Charlie. Yeah, we can't. We and one Derek of them. Forbord, wait, Derek Forbord is best not serving forced into a top pairing with Charlie McAvoy, but yet he's actually outperforming Charlie McAvoy. Certainly against expectations of some. <laughs> I I and, and I know that I'm in the minority. When I when they signed him, I was actually thrilled that they signed him. I thought it was a good signing. Again, I don't think that Derek Forbert is terrible. I think he's having a career year offensively. It's um, not even the offense I'm looking at. I think that he's doing uh, – yes, has he made boneheaded plays? Yes. Yeah. Has, has every defenseman on the Bruins made boneheaded plays? I love Connor, I love Connor Clifton, Cliffy Hockey, one of my favorites. He's made some boneheaded plays. Um, but I also don't like the fact that they move him back and forth and he doesn't get a chance to – be he hasn't settled in, no. But because no, uh, I think John that Moore. there's a there's a significant gap between Mr. Haggerty's appreciation of the on ice situation and our own. Yes, that I would agree with wholeheartedly. I don't understand it. So he wants to make a move and try and get Chikrin out of Arizona. Which I I I don't mind. I don't mind them getting him, but for whom it, the cost is always the question. And the cost is going to be most likely. Uh, I don't see. And the problem is, what what are they going to want? Do they want minorly? Do they want minors? Do they want prospects? Do they want draft picks? I'm going to guess since it's a battle for 32, our pack, our picks aren't going to be as 
appealing okay. to them because we're probably going to be drafting somewhere in the high teens. Uh, low 20s. Low um, 20s. We'd like to see low 20s. Hell, I'd like to see high 20s. Well, actually, no. They might – you you could be right about the low teens. I was ba- – uh, anyways. So later in the article, um, uh, discussing the return mm-hmm. and – Keep in mind that Chikrin is at 4.6 for a couple of years. Um, and yes, at, at in one in one uh, paragraph, we're told that there's not so much uh, for uh, NHL adjacent prospects. Um, you know, there's Stadnika, Vakaninen, Oscar Steen not presently breaking through to Bruins roster. Mm-hmm. Definitely true. Although I think that Studnika, I think it's there's cap considerations and uh, slight and risk of loss uh, on assignment that played into that. But as far as trade pieces, certainly Jake DeBrusque makes a logical NHL piece uh, included in trade talks. So perhaps there's something that could be re- built around DeBrusque, Vakaninen, and a pair of draft picks as well. Now, admittedly, DeBrusque is. Done at the his he's, uh, his contract's over at the end of the season. Yeah. Salary wise, they're fairly close. Um, although I think there's about a million more on Chickren's contract. Chickren's contract. Um, yeah, it's 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 roughly a million. Debrus, Vakaninen, and a pair of draft picks. Which draft picks? Are you talking to seventh round draft picks? Because Arizona's probably going to laugh. Mm-hmm. Are you talking? a couple of first and second round draft picks. Do we have because any? Because that should be a resume generating event. Do we have any? First of all, I mean, the Bruins, yes, they, they do have, uh, I, 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 I don't recall because I know that Sweeney, Sweeney yes. likes his, likes his picks. So they He's have their first. Traded, no, I thought he traded them all away for what's his name. You know, the guy that's not with us anymore. Mr. Nash. Yeah. He, yeah, he, We've recovered since then, but he actually, we act, the Bruins actually have all of their first and second round picks uh, for the next three years. Yeah, they're not. Don't trade those, okay? If you want to give up a second and a third, three years. I don't know that you need to give up two players and two picks to get Jacob Chikrin. Every trade that involves the Bruins, every trade. Yeah, I don't care who the return is. Every trade is the first name from our end, whether it's Hags writing it or Fluto or whoever. Every trade is going to have DeBrusque's name on it. Until he's gone, yeah. And it's unfortunate because as far as I'm concerned, as far as you're concerned, a, a, an offensive defenseman, despite what we talked about for, 20, for 15 minutes earlier in the show, is our third concern. It's in whichever order you want to put it, a, t- uh, a viable number two center. And I Second have nothing, nothing but appreciation uh, for the better Charlie. Um, he's from East Weymouth, you know. Um, I heard that. Maybe once or twice. Third line. And center. Third line center. He's a great third line center. He's as a second line center. He is. Probably not the worst in the league. Uh, 
I still think no, you need a second line center. More importantly, and we said this earlier, we've said it multiple times. Where is the scoring coming? And same thing in here. Where are the goals coming from? Depth if it's scoring. not the Raptors line, it's nobody. Taylor Hall's got a lot of assists. He's got some goals. You put a good pass first, pass second, pass third center in there with Taylor Hall. Taylor Hall needs a distributor. He needs a guy who is thinking two steps ahead as his center and able to make those ridiculous passes. Now, admittedly, that is a really short list, a really short list. I think that, you know, Nick Backstrom might be the best passer under 35 in the NHL at the moment. I mean, Marner, great. I'm not in, I'm not 100% sure he's going to make those passes under pressure um, because, well, that team doesn't seem to do very well in the playoffs. Um, I'm, I'm hard pressed to think of who else might even be possibly available as that 2C who is it going to be an elite passer. And maybe we're, maybe we're just asking too much. Based on the market, maybe you and me and everyone else who sees the 2C as I the most important player. <laughs> JT Miller, I think it would be a lot of fun. I think Elias Patterson or Bo Horvat could be a lot of fun. I don't see any of the three of them coming to Boston. That's sad. I honestly don't see Jacob Chikrin coming to Boston either, but at least we know that Don Sweeney is on the case um, because the Sweeneyus is coded uh, is quoted as saying, Uh-oh. you're sitting down, right? I am sitting down. I mean, we're still continuing to talk, but you can imagine the entire league is a bit handcuffed and we have the roster freeze coming up. Um, so that's probably going to put us in a situation where things aren't communication continue, can continue, but you really, but you can't really do anything until you come out of it. And obviously we're reacting to where our team is going to be coming out of the break and trying to prepare for that. And then seeing who's going to be healthy and recovered. Excuses, 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 excuses. Um, very, that, that was a lot of words. That was a lot of words to say we haven't accomplished anything and we're not we doing it. We're not doing anything about it. <laughs> yeah, that's that was, uh, that was a lot of words. Well, there was no there was not much meaning behind them, but that was a lot of words. Um, as we mentioned, uh, <laughs> and via ESPN and Elliot Friedman and half a thousand others. Uh, in a pretty short period of time, NHL pause uh, as of Wednesday, you know, a slightly extended uh, Christmas break um, due to the C word. Yeah. And you have an article uh, from The Athletic that I think uh, we can wrap the show with. It was it, it was less an it was less the article from The Athletic and more the comment. That was. Oh, the, yeah, the. But the, 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 the article the, was Linus Olmark feeling the competition is ripping hot for the Bruins. And he was he, he, he the Canada trip 
the Kinder trip, he was, um, yeah, he was better than he was. He was a, he looked great. Period. Oh, yeah. oh, the comment that you're talking about, go ahead and read that one. The comment was <clears throat> from uh, somebody named Tony T. What if we put Swayman in the convo? DeBrusque, Swayman, and a first for a legit 2C. Would San Jose do that for Tomas Hurdle? Contingent on us signing him to an extension, of course. In a skinny minute. Why? <laughs> because it's a ridiculous overpayment. <laughs> DeBrusque, and I like- Swayman, and a first. I love Thomas Hurdle. I would never, I would never not want to see him in a Bruins uniform. He's a 200-foot player. He kills penalties. He scores short-handed goals. He's good on the power play. He's a good center. He's not doesn't have to be a great center. He could even fill the two C role. It, but for Hurdle, we're giving up DeBrusque, Swayman, and a first to a team whose current so. goaltenders are Aiden Hill and James Reimer. Tony. He would legitimately be their number one goaltender as soon as the deal was approved. How do I know this? Because in 16 games this season, Aiden Hill has a 900 save percentage. So so if Sweeney called up and said, we really want Thomas Hurdle, this is what we'll give you. That deal would be done. Doug Armstrong, the GM of the San Jose Sharks would cover the phone with his hand or it's most likely, most likely it's a cell phone. So he could just hit the mute button. Laugh uproariously. Thank, thank whatever uh, deity he prays to. Or melody afflicting Sweeney, whichever. (laughs) Or thanking, well, he would be thanking the deity or what? Yes. Or whatever melody. Okay. Unpause, un- unmute the phone, and as calmly as possible, without you know trying to trying to do it with a straight face, I'm sure it would be tough for him, and say, you know what, I-, I think we can somehow make that work. Yeah, I mean, you're not willing to throw in like a third round pick or anything like that. Maybe get rid of that Vakaninen kid you're not too high on. No, I think you would have to. I think you. I think you would have to come back with some kind of counter just to sound like you're really upset that you're making this offer. <laughs> no, Swayman, DeBrusque, and a first for Hurdle. I love Thomas Hurdle. Don't get me wrong, but no, I'm sorry, Tony. <laughs> Your comment just caught my attention, and it had to be said. Thomas Hurdle has 22 points. Thomas Hurdle is 28 years old. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't remember Thomas Hurdle being especially fast. No, but he can be physical, which means he'll fit in on the Bruins. Because that's their style of play, and I can accept that. I have questions about whether he has already peaked. Mm. At least in goal scoring. But if he can still pass the puck, 
Yeah, oh, if he can distribute and you're putting him into Wait. where into the spot where Coyle is sitting now between Hall and Smith. Yeah, that could work. The issue I have and Tony did bring this up at the end of his comment was on the you know that on the contingency that he can be re-signed because this is the last year of his contract. You're giving up Debrusk, who is also an, mark- on an expiring contract, markedly less expensive. Yeah, about thirty percent. Swayman, who doesn't make up that gap between the two, on his correct on his uh, uh, entry level deal. And on top of that, you're going to give them what, again, like I said, most likely high teens. We hope it's higher than lower than that. But yeah, but most likely in the high teens, say 19 or so draft pick. We're not getting any draft picks or anything back except for Thomas Hurdle, a 28 year old mm-hmm. who has who has offensive chops, has offensive chops, even has some playoff experience. Um, in fact, a reasonable amount of playoff experience. 62 games, 42 points. Okay. Um, but when was he, when has he won anything? Uh, like individual awards, world junior. Like Czech Republic, maybe? No? No, I don't when? believe so. No. No. Midgets? Do they have midgets in the Czech Republic? They have some equivalent, but I don't remember what they're called. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, no, yeah. nothing, nothing here as far as yes, there has been no, there no have North been American no wins. North American. Um, I wouldn't even trophies. take Swedish Hockey League wins or KHL wins, but he has neither of those. Yes, no, no. Well, he's Czech, so he probably wouldn't have Swedish anything. Did he play in the Swedish league? No. Okay, so he's probably... That's just a measuring measuring stick. <laughs> I'm sorry, Tony. I, your comment caught my eye. I had to make it. Uh, don't be too mad at me, but I don't see this happening. I don't think it can happen because the overpayment is just slightly south of ridiculous. And realistically, if that happens... Um Charlie Jacobs should wander into the building and defenestrate both Sweeney and Neely for allowing it to happen. As you say, resume generating event. Yeah. <laughs> and, and on that note, boys. <laughs> and on that note, boys and girls. <laughs> happy holidays. Um, there's not going to be as much hockey, so spend some time with your family. Spend some time with your friends. Obviously, recommend the show. Get some downtime, get some hot cocoa, um, maybe some nice mulled cider. Um, maybe go outside and do something a little bit fun. Crazy concept, I know. And gear up for uh, hopefully what will be the return of the NHL in a couple of days and the World Junior Tournament. Um, we're going to start talking about the World Juniors and all the other stuff on our next show. As always, thank you for listening. Chris? As always, thank you for listening. Everybody have a very Merry Christmas, Happy Holiday, whatever one it is you celebrate. And we will be with you slightly after that. Ho, ho, ho.